listening to Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. The D Las Vegas Resort and Casino presents Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Brought to you by Verizon Wireless. This is 5G done right. By Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas. Pick up any of our award-winning sauces on the way home tomorrow night at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas. The D Las Vegas Resort and Casino. Bar Canada, north of the border home, Las Vegas style. Roger Klein's Canesy owned tequila, ultra smooth, Arizona owned. Behind the mask, whether you're on ice or in line, we are the Valley's headquarters for all of your hockey needs. By M Drive, presenting partner of What Drives You, M Drive for energy, stamina, recovery. And by Summer Skates, get your personalized koozies and shower shoes at icetimehockeysw.com slash partners and click on the Summer Skates banner. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly, presented by the D Las Vegas Resort and Casino, is a part of the icetimehockeysw.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Rob Rothbarb. All right, welcome in hockey welcome. fans, professional hockey fans as it may be. This is Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly, presented by our friends at the D Las Vegas Hotel, Resort, and Casino. Scott Strandy joining you from beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona tonight. Uh, what's up, Balmy112, I think, tonight or something like that. My co-host, uh, Rob Rothfarb, joining me from beautiful Southern California. Rob, how are you tonight? I am well, Scott. I am well. Uh, I am a little balmy today. It's a little balmy. I'm, in, I'm actually in the valley right now. <laughs> I'm in Westlake Village. It's about... 93 degrees. I'm sitting in my car right now, and it feels like it's about 193. <laughs> oh, I can about imagine. Uh, <laughs> been there, done that, my friend. <laughs> as, I, as I mentioned, this is Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. This is where we talk AHL and NHL hockey, certainly uh, in the Southwest and the Pacific Division, but we also reach out to different places. Tonight, we got a great guest coming on. We're going to dig deep into the uh, – Vegas Golden Knights and find out just what the heck is going on with Ken Bulky from the uh, Sinbin.Vegas. That's in about 15 minutes or so. <clears throat> Before that, Rob, we went through the draft. We went through some uh, open period of trades, and then free agency opened. Go ahead. <laughs> well, uh, let's see. As far as free agency, I mean, there were some surprises, some not. I mean, uh you know, I want, I'm curious. I can't wait for Ken to get on because I want to know how they could actually get more back in return for Reeves than they did for Flurry. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. I'm not sure if we'll, uh, we'll be able to get an answer from Ken on that one <laughs> or not. Uh, I know there's a lot of frustration in Vegas, though, because um, the loss of Mark andre uh, really didn't sit well with the fans. The loss of Ryan Reeves didn't sit well with the fans. And here's the thing, as we talked about many times, uh, this is a this is a business, right? And people are getting paid a lot of money to make the decisions uh, that they hope are the correct decisions to help the team ultimately win a Stanley Cup. That's what it's all about. Um, fans get frustrated, and I get it. I mean, you you buy jerseys, you spend hundreds of dollars, you fall in love with these guys that that uh, excite you and uh, make your team go. But guess what? Nothing lasts forever, especially in professional sports. 
nothing nothing lasts forever. You very rarely these days do you find guys that play that whole career with one team, and you just follow. You just see wherever wherever guys get uh, coaches and GMs resurface, they bring their own players in. So you very rarely see guys uh, finish the career their career where they started. But there there was some movement. There was definitely some movement. Uh, and you talk about Vegas. We keep jo- joking about Jack Eichel. They're going to deplete their team if, if they want to complete that trade for Eichel. Well, I, I, I think there was a deal done. I think, uh, as, as I've told you off air, we're going to ask Ken about it because he might know more than I do. But um, I think there was a deal done. But I think Alex Tuck's sh- shoulder surgery put kind of a crimp into it. And um, – Anyway, I don't want to get into that. <laughs> I want to save that for Ken. But anyway, as we um, as we see, this was a very, very active period. It's got a lot to do with the players' um, uh, salaries, obviously, trying to make everything fit like a puzzle. We talked about Vegas last year, though. Vegas had a problem with two goaltenders making that much money all season long. Some games they'd only dressed 17 players because they didn't have enough uh, cap space to dress anymore. They had to bring up guys from the minors that maybe they didn't want to play, but they had to. Yet they still were tied for the for the best record in all of the National Hockey League. So when you see that and you go, wasn't there some other tweaks that could have been done with the goaltending ranks? I mean, I understand that that's way too much money for uh, for normal teams to put into goaltending, but uh, man, I just don't know. Your thoughts? Anytime you get rid of a piece of the city. And that's what I consider Florida was a piece of the city. He really embraced Vegas from the moment he got there and he was excited to be there. And it seemed like he would have taken less money to stay. And it's not like uh, football where you can restructure contract. You can't do that in the NHL, but it looked like he would do whatever it took to be able to stay. And they decided that it wasn't enough and they shipped him out of town. And, and look I, on Twitter, Twitter was blowing up. You know they sh- they unveiled uh, Flurry in Chicago today, and all I, all you saw, <laughs> yeah, saw on that. Twitter is is that Flurry looks better in Vegas red. Okay, it, that may be the case, but he's not wearing Vegas red right now, and it's <laughs> yeah. not going to happen anytime soon. And and that's and that's what as as someone that's not from you know he's an original knight, but he's not he didn't start and end his career there type of thing. But he felt it felt like he was a golden knight. Well, he was a talk from before they even announced their uh, um, expansion draft picks. Everybody speculated that it was going to be Mark Andre, and when it was Mark Andre, uh, everybody flocked to him. And then, of course, the crispy donut things on shutouts, and all of these things just sort of escalated. So, again, more questions for Ken. Um, I, I guess what I'm surprised with is uh, you and I both talk about this all all season long, and certainly in the playoffs. Goaltending wins you hockey games, right? Yes. I mean, especially playoff games. Yes. So if you've got two of the best goaltenders and you're making it work, wouldn't you want to tweak something else to make sure that you didn't lose your goaltending strength? And I don't think they think they did lose their goaltending strength, but guess what? Robin Leonard was injured last year, and if it hadn't been for Mark andre they might not have been in the position they were in. agree 100% on that. Mark andre is the backbone. And yes, Leonard is the goalie of the future moving forward. But why why couldn't they try to move Leonard? Why, why did they move uh, Flurry and move him for not a lot of a lot, get nothing in return? And now you have a young Chicago team 
with a couple of veterans that and Flurry now that they're poised to make a run. And wouldn't it be ironic if you had Vegas and Chicago in an opening round playoff series? <laughs> Don't even go there. Don't even go there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so many things that are ironic. I saw yesterday uh, fans had, had put out on Twitter the two dates that Chicago will be in um, Las Vegas uh, to play the Knights. And don't think uh, in January and in March, I think. I think it was like January 8th and March 26th, if my memory is, is correct. So if, if that's the case, don't think those fans aren't going to remember what's going on. Um, and then the other thing of it is, now when you make these tweaks, if if you don't at least do what you did last year, people are going to consider it a failure, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And right now, and what I could equate that to right now is, you know, following what's going on with the Rangers. Because the Rangers have bulked up. They have become a lot like what the Knights are. And that's a bigger, stronger, faster, and tough to play against. And all the Ranger fans are saying, you still need skill to win. Okay, well, you have enough skill. You, you need those type of players. And it's starting to, like, one one of the favorite fan favorites was resigned and traded to the St. Louis, Pavel Bujanovic. So I got that a little bit of what's going on in Vegas with the Rangers. But but in Vegas, they had success. The Rangers are still trying to build up to get that type of success. So you're right. If they don't repeat at least getting to the finals, everybody's going to say, well, it was either Flurry or it was the series of uh, lack of moves and balancing out the uh, the team cap wise, and not just being so top heavy with with a handful of forwards. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Okay, so before we get Ken on and we'll dig into this Golden Knights thing, um, tell me some of the things that you liked and didn't like about the free agents signings that you saw. You know. This, this, you know, you look at teams like Buffalo. You know, it's like, what what are they doing? They have such a passionate fan base, and they trade away a couple guys, guys they brought in. You know, scratch your hand, you're like, well, why? They let their top goaltender go, Omar, to to the Bruins, which is they're gonna have to face him now. Uh, I I just, if I had to say one word for it, it, it was very strange. I thought some of the signings uh, that happened. You know, look, uh, Zach Parisi. Going back, you know, I talked earlier about GMs and coaches. Zach Parisi, uh, I said before free agency started, where did I say he would end up? With the Islanders, right? And it looks like yeah. he's about to sign with the Islanders. It so sure like, sounds that way. It's like strange signing. Suter, you know, I, I understand going home to Minnesota, but, you know, older defensemen, you know, Minnesota needed, needed to get younger and get scoring. And Suter, you know, is it going to bring that? Am I? Am I? He did go home to Minnesota. Am I correct on that? He 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 was in Minnesota and he went to Dallas. Oh, went to Dallas. That's what. So, it was. Yeah, yeah, he. I, but right. but I I would agree with you. Both the Parisi and the Suter signings. When those contracts came out, I was going like, "Are you kidding me? Has anybody looked at this and seen what their ages are going to be at the end of this? I mean, they got yeah. six years left on those deals um, that that they had to deal with. So. It was the previous management or maybe even the previous, previous management that uh, made those deals. And they, they were just horrendous. They were just way too long. And yes. uh, and they gave the players stability and they thought they're going to hang around. And um, then guess what happened? Um, they, they hung around, but uh, they, they started to get old like everybody does, right? Now you've oh, got to move some pieces, but you still got these contracts to deal with. So, <laughs> exactly. yeah, I, exactly. I wasn't happy with that at all. 
Um, I thought that uh, Seattle did a good job by getting Grubauer uh, for them. Yes. Uh, I don't. Yes. We all agree that Grubauer, we don't think, is the guy that's going to win you a cup. Right. But uh, he's going to help you get a lot of wins, especially with that defensive core that Seattle has. So I think that was a good move. Uh, I think another uh, team that really made the right moves in the draft and, and everything was the Coyotes. I think they, they know their place now. I think in past, maybe they didn't know their place. Um, they know now that they are who they are. And uh, they had to put players in place to fill that role. And now uh, we see how they develop. And, um, you know, they, they, they cleaned house. I think there's only six players left, uh, Rob, from that, that roster last year, including all three of their goaltenders are gone. Well, I, I think that there is no truth to the rumor that they all have to wear name tags in, in practice because they don't know who each other are. Oh, yeah, there's a truth to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, but they, they, should be, they should be excited. You know, the Coyotes know what they are. They're, they're rebuilding. They, they moved out a lot of contracts. They need to get up to the floor uh, cap-wise. And they were able to take on some good players. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see if they can mesh enough if, and if they can get some goaltending. Yeah, that, that's the thing. It depends what their goaltending brings. They went from having a really good tandem, maybe a really good trio, uh, one of the best trios, probably the best trio in all of the National Hockey League, to uh, now some guys that are like, whoa, Carter yeah. Hutton is your number one right now? You, uh, hey, Are you sure? <laughs> so, yeah, I was never sold on Carter Hutton. Uh, Buffalo, I, I believe he played with Buffalo last. Uh, but, no, I'm not I'm not a fan of, of Buffalo. Uh, Philly, you know, ever since Pelly Lindbergh, uh, they've had one goaltender, and that's uh, Hextall, that, that they can count on for uh, any type of consistency. Uh, so Philly's always looking for a goaltender, and they have a merry-go-round at goaltender. Uh, it'll be interesting. It'll, it definitely will be interesting to see how these teams mesh with uh, some of the acquisitions they made. I mean, Taylor Hall going back to Boston, I think that's a great fit. He seemed happy at the end of last year in Boston. It seemed like he took a little less money to stay in Boston. Yeah, and he uh, – and uh, um, yeah, hold on one second. Rob, if you can talk a little bit more about that. I'm trying okay. to hook Ken up here if we can for okay, a minute. no problem. No problem. And the one person that Boston's going to miss, though, is David Krejci. He, he said that he's going back to the Czech Republic. He wants to play in front of his uh, family. He wants his kids to grow up with his fa- with uh, his parents and his family. Uh, so I really believe that that's a, that's a lack of signing that's really going to hurt the Bruins because he was he slotted in nicely as the second line center. So we'll 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 see we'll see what, what what's going to happen. Uh, I love the fact what, that the Rangers got Reeves. Uh, I think we talked a little bit last week about it, uh, Reeves saying uh, that there was a player talking to the Rangers saying, I'm, I'm your answer to Tom Wilson. And apparently it was Ryan Reeves saying that to the Rangers about a year ago or uh, or so. Uh, so it will be interesting. It will definitely be interesting to see because the Rangers play the Capitals that first game of the season. And we'll see how many 6-5 and above guys are in the Rangers lineup. So yeah, that's. Uh, I'm looking forward to Ken, though. I'm looking forward to him talking Vegas and get his take on things. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're going to have him on here in just a second. So let's take a quick break and let's come back and bring uh, Ken Bolke on from Sinbin Vegas in about two minutes. Hi, this is Derek Stevens. Download your new sports betting app with Circus Sports. Get 24/7 access to a dynamic sports betting menu, including props, futures, cross sport parlays. 
in-game wagering, and more. Sign up for the mobile wagering app at CircusSports.com. Then visit one of our downtown Las Vegas sportsbooks at the D or the Golden Gate to activate and fund your mobile wagering account. Learn more at CircusSports.com. Really, JR, you think you can still do this? I'm focused. You're way too old to hit that target from there. I've been listening to everything you said. It's been running through my head, locked and loaded. All right, still got it. Still got it. Who's old now? You're listening to Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. All right. Welcome back in, hockey fans. This is Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy joining you from beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona tonight. We're at the Balmy 112, uh, something like that. Uh, my co-host, Rob Rothbard, joining me from uh, somewhere in the valley of uh, Southern California. And uh, Rob says it's Balmy there as well. So it's our pleasure tonight to bring in the the man from Sinbin.Vegas. Ken Bulky is with me. And uh, Ken, you got Scott and Rob with you. How are you tonight? Pretty good. How are you guys? We're we're doing wonderful. Glad to have you on. Um, hey, anything happened in Vegas over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> uh, they just traded every single player everybody likes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, that's why I wanted to have you on because I figured if we're going to dig into to Vegas Golden Knights hockey and, and really even Silver Knights hockey, we had to go to the source, and that, my friend, is you. So let's start right at the top. Number 29 disappears, and what did they get back, Ken? Nothing. <laughs> That's it? That's it? Just nothing? Well, they technically got the contract of Mikhail Hakkarainen, but they didn't get actual Mikhail Hakkarainen. They only got the contract of Mikhail Hakkarainen. He will stay and play in Chicago, Rockford to be exact. So officially, they got one contract. Okay, so last year, everybody talked about that, Ken, uh, you can't have two high-priced goaltenders. It isn't going to work. We saw what happened with the cap space all during the season. But guess what? They tied for the best record in the uh, National Hockey League last year in an abbreviated season. They uh, they made it all the way to the what? Western Conference Finals. I guess we call it the Western Conference Finals. Um, so what happened? What broke? Uh, I think what broke is they finally woke up and realized that that was probably the reason they weren't in the Stanley Cup Final. And to me, the having the best record. Well, yeah, that's having two goalies is going to give you an opportunity to have the best record, but I don't know anybody in the world of hockey that truly celebrates the president's trophy. I know I don't, I don't care who wins the president's trophy. And in fact, usually I would say I'd rather the team did not win the president's trophy. So to me, having the two goalies, they realized, well, it's going to help us in the regular season and it's going to inevitably hurt us in the, in the postseason. They almost lost to Minnesota. Like we can't forget that that series went to a game seven. And if Minnesota remembered how to skate, that might've been a decent game. Like they could, they were tripping over the ice the entire game. That could have been a close game. They could have gone out in the first round. They made the right decision in getting rid of the goalies. It's just how they got to the point that they got to, that they created an environment in which they had the Vezina Trophy winner and he was worth the contract of Mikel Hekarainen is unbelievable. Well, why do you think they stuck with Leonard and not with Flurry? 
I think Leonard's their guy. I think the second that uh, Pete DeBoer came in, he preferred Leonard over Fleury. And I don't necessarily know exactly why. I've never really had an opportunity to sit down and chat with him about what he prefers, Leonard over Fleury. They're vastly different players. And obviously one's younger. One is a little bit cheaper. That's the one they kept. However, the other one is the face of the franchise coming off the Vezina, you know, is one of the all-time good guys in the history of the league. Um you know, I, I, it's a tough decision and, and one they had to make. It's just getting yourself in the situation that you had to make it was the problem, and that was the issue from where they began. Okay, so, Ken, today we saw Mark andre don that uh, that vaunted Chicago yeah, Blackhawks jersey. Yeah, it was really rough. Um, and Alan Walsh, his agent, uh, made sure that everybody knew about it, by the way. <laughs> but uh, so when you see him do that, and I know there was talk right away was like, okay, is he going to really sign? Is he going to retire? Um, I thought for sure this might be the end of it, and I thought Bill Foley might have himself a right-hand man. Um, what happened in that stage, or was Mark always going to play this year? So uh, the way I read it, and this is just solely based on how I kind of saw the situation. This is not any sort of inside source or anything of that sort. I don't have a direct line to Mark andre Fleury or Alan Walsh or anybody, but – the way I saw it was he did not want to get traded. He wanted to finish his career in Las Vegas. So basically what he was trying to do is make it as difficult as possibly can be to trade him. And I think the only option you have after your 10-team no-move clause is to threaten retirement. Uh, beyond that, you don't really have a lot of good options. And I think that's basically what they were doing was just keeping the option open of saying maybe we can force retirement and see if Chicago will back out of this trade or potentially move us to a place where we like better or whatever it happens to be. I think in the end, he was always going to play hockey. It was just a matter of where it was, and Chicago called the bluff, and good for them. They just traded for a Vezina-winning goalie for absolutely nothing. All right, let's talk about the other favorite that, that got traded out of town. Got more for Ryan Reeves, a fourth-line tough guy, than you did for Mark andre Fleury. Uh what is your take on the on the Ryan Reeves trade? Uh, it's a massive addition by subtraction. They got rid of the worst player on their team, uh, a player that should never be seeing in the ice in current level of the NHL, uh, and they got a third-round pick for it. They got rid of salary that they should have never paid in the first place. They've been paying him over overpriced for three seasons. Uh, he is not good. He is not helpful, and the role that is supposedly filled by that player is unnecessary in the current NHL, in my opinion. Uh, it's absolutely unbelievable to me that another team would not only take the player on, but then sign him to another overpaid contract before he steps on the ice. Oh, and that that's Rob's team, Ken. <laughs> He's a Ranger diehard. I just think it was a terrible decision. And, and I understand I how they got to the point that they got to. Don't get me wrong. Like, I know how the season ended. I understand what happened there. But at the same time, you also cannot employ a bad hockey player to deal with that problem. Like, he will inevitably hurt the team. And whether that comes by means of terrible play on the ice in regards to actually playing hockey, or if that means getting suspended in the postseason when he does something stupid inevitably in a postseason series, he will eventually damage the team, and he's doing it immediately when you sign him to a contract, even a cent over $750,000, and they did it for two years. Well, it was an additional year. It was additional. Right. Um, so, they, well, they, they took him on for they, this year and then they gave right, him another one. Why, why would you sign that extension? How does that make any sense? 
Is well, he going to walk? No, he's not going to walk. But but he, he will just like he was a fan favorite in in Vegas. As long as the stupidity happens during the regular season, I think the Ranger fans will take that. If the stupidity happens against the Capitals or the Islanders, I think they'll take it even more. Uh, you're just talking about a Ranger team right now that needed someone like that because every team was taking liberties with the Rangers. Well, if you like losing, you must like that type of player. <laughs> I, I'm a fan of scoring goals. I think the best way to deal with the, the teams taking liberties with you is beat them five to nothing. And and Ryan Reeves does not help that in any way at all. But but Ryan Reeves does give space on the on the ice. No, he doesn't. He, That's an absolute myth. He's he's a terrible right. hockey player that is in no way helpful when he's on the ice, except for this fictional belief that other people are scared of him, which isn't even true because he doesn't even fight people because they won't. Well, that's a lot of good points. Okay, let's move like, on. I, let me let me just explain that before I before you ask another question because okay. it, it's it's this belief that like he is going to create space for a player that a does not happen because he's too slow to do that in the first place and he's never near enough to the puck to do that. And if you're a defenseman, you just move it before he gets there and then get out of the way. Every once in a while, he'll crash into you. It may hurt a little bit, but it's not that big a deal. Very rarely do you see the mistake anymore that you saw three years ago. The three years ago, Ryan Reeves actually created some mistakes from his forechecking, but now he is out there to be an enforcer. But the problem is the second he steps on the ice, either the player that needs to be enforced steps off because you do not have to get any matchup and you can freely change when he's on the ice because he's not going to do anything. And then B, if he does have to step up to make a, you know, make someone pay for a hit, guys just won't fight him because in the current NHL, you don't have to. And if he comes after you, he gets an aggressor penalty and he takes an, or the, the extra penalty and you just don't have to do it. We saw it time and time again. And there were multiple times that we saw Keegan Colazar or Nick Haig or William Carrier take a fight because Ryan Reeves physically can't do it because the guy won't fight him. It's just, it's not 1987 anymore. Good stuff. Okay. Um, so let me ask you this. Uh, Mark Fleury, Mark Andre Fleury is moved. Um, Robin Leonard ultimately becomes the number one. And immediately the, the Golden Knights are looking for a backup. Um, how far away is Logan Thompson? Because I didn't think he was that far away. Uh, seemingly a lot farther than most of us thought. Yeah, I mean, he ends up going out and winning the award, the, the effectively the Vezina uh, in the AHL. Now, I, I understand that this is an AHL season where they only played like seven teams, and, you know, he didn't even play all that many games. It's a shortened season. Like, I get it. It's a little bit of a, a mirage there. But at the same time, the dude played a heck of a season, and the second the spot opens up, it is zero hesitation to not yeah. only rule him out immediately on a press conference a day before a free agency, but then triply overpay for a backup goalie. Like, I, I, I don't know what in the world I would be thinking if I'm Logan Thompson. I, I, my argument would be get me the F out of here. And, and, you know, especially after dealing with the whole Mark Andre situation, now, you, now your goalie supposedly of the future – now he seems to be pissed off because you brought in someone in overpaid, like you just said. So what what is what does his future look like in Vegas? I know he's going to be starting it with the Henderson Silver Knights, but does he get any shot? This is Thompson. You're still talking about? Yes. Yeah, I, I think he's obviously he's going to have to start with the Silver Knights. I would assume he's going to be uh, the the third goalie, the fill in at that point. The problem is. 
the way his contract is structured based on his age and how long he's been in the league, he needs 28 games of at least 30 minutes uh, at the NHL level to for the Golden Knights to retain his his rights. Otherwise, he becomes a Group 6 UFA. So I don't think they're going to force that. Otherwise, they would have given him the opportunity as the backup and then added a goalie at the deadline if they needed to do that. But to, to, to do what they did in signing Loren Brassois, it's – it's fairly surprising, I guess, in, in regards to what they believe on Logan Thompson. And I don't really understand where this belief is coming from, or, or I guess it would be lack of belief. Okay, so let's talk about the other uh, elephant in Buffalo, if we can, instead <laughs> of in the Vegas room. Um, Jack Eichel, uh, is he going to be a Golden Knight at some point or not a chance? Oh, I would definitely not rule it out. I mean, uh, here's kind of the most compelling pitch that I've heard to why Jack Eichel would become a Golden Knight. And that is, if you were to tell Bill Foley that he has to break his word to Marc-Andre Fleury and move him, and then you're you're telling him, okay, well, how are we going to rebuild this? I highly doubt that Loren Brassois and Evgeny Dadanoff were the reason for him to decide, yes, that's how I'm gonna that's why I'm gonna break my word to Marc Andre Fleury. It seems to me like they were probably pitching him on something larger, and Eichel would be the one that makes the most sense. That being said, they have to clear ten million dollars in cap space, and I would imagine that this cost for Jack Eichel has to be upwards of three first round picks or whatever the equivalent is. And then the dude needs neck surgery. So it's, it's a tough one to deal with. And I don't necessarily know that they get better if they do this Jack Eichel deal. And that's not because I don't believe in Jack Eichel. It's just the cost is prohibitive, both in what you have to pay him and then what you have to pay Buffalo to get him. Well, speaking of, of Jack Eichel, I was listening to Elliot Friedman's podcast with the doctor that would perform that, discectomy with the synthetic disc uh and he said that it would take six to eight weeks for him to be playoff to be able to take the punishment like six four to six weeks and he could start skating and whatnot and then a couple yeah. weeks after that really get back into but that you're giving up a lot of assets yep to get a guy that you don't know how he's going to recover Right. And then, like you're saying, it's six to eight weeks just before they feel comfortable for him to begin taking that contact. The second he steps on the ice, you better be 100% sure that you're in a good spot here. It's, it is such a risky move. But, you know, if you look at where the Golden Knights front office is, they were told, win me the cup by year six. And then along the way, they made their owner look like a disloyal liar. And so, they need a cup, and I think they might be willing to take a crazy risk uh, like this one. Uh, you know, the Mark Stone one wasn't really a risk. I don't think Alex Petrangelo was that much of a risk. Pacioretty a little bit, but that was kind of correcting a mistake and taking a risk along the way. This one would be going out on a massive limb to, to, to you know, take a risk here. And I can see them doing it, but I also know that the price is so high, and they just do not want to pay that price because they're going to have to dismantle their team because they don't have a good enough prospect pool to buy uh, Jack Eichel with using just players that are off the roster. Okay, so so that's a good point. Um, so as you see the roster today, if the puck dropped tomorrow afternoon or tomorrow night, um, how would the Golden Knights be? Would they be better, worse, the same? Where would they be? I think they would be about the same in the regular season, and then I think they're about 
an inch better in the postseason, assuming they're healthy, which they were in this postseason. Uh, obviously, Pacioretty missed that first series, but from there on, they were fairly healthy and they had very little issue uh, in that Montreal series. I think they're a little bit better. They're certainly a little bit deeper. Um, you know, I think their fourth line is a little bit more offensive driven and, and can potentially also hold up a little bit of the defensive responsibility, which they could not do when it was Reeves, Carrier, and Noshik. You, you really could not hand them a second line matchup. Uh, where I think now potentially with maybe a Brett Howden, uh, Patrick and Nosh or not yet, yeah, not Noshik, he's gone. Uh, Wah or Carrier or somebody of that sort, maybe Krebs finds his way in. I think they can kind of punch above their weight a little bit more. But I still think you look at that top six, you look at the group of defense, and you still have to ask yourself, where are these goals going to come from when they play against a team that packs it in? And is the system going to change enough that an Evgeny Dadanoff is all of a sudden going to step in and be that difference maker? I'm not so sure I'm sold on that. But I will tell you, I think they are a better team today than they were a week ago before all the madness. Well, I don't know how much you're going to expect from Brett Howden. He's a fourth-line center. He's he's good for maybe five goals a season. He's He never found any type of scoring touch. Maybe he'll find it with Vegas. How much would the will playing the whole NHL affect the Knights as well? Because remember, you're only playing in the division, so you're going to be playing against teams that don't know the Knights, haven't played against the Knights in over a year. So are you seeing that as a positive or a negative with the way the schedule is going to make break out this time? Oh, it's definitely a negative for the Golden Knights. I, I mean, obviously, when you play against the worst division all season long, you end up 40 and 16, which is what the Golden Knights were. <laughs> and, you know, they, and they got there without really trying all that hard for a majority of the season. The, the problem is, and like, I'm not, I'm not trying to come off saying like, oh, no, they're suddenly going to be an 82 point team where they would have been 120 last season. It's more like, if last season was 120-point pace, maybe it cuts them down by 10 or 15, which sounds like a massive amount, but I still think they're a fairly easy 95-plus point team, and I would guess they'll probably get over 100 because they have four games against all these teams in the Pacific. There's three games against the number of rough teams in the Central. Uh, you know, you get all these home games against some tough, you know, weak opponents on the other side. I don't think it's all that much more difficult, but I do think just the the lack of repetitiveness, I think that repetitiveness helped the Golden Knights get comfortable with just dominating these teams, and it gave them this unbelievable confidence that even if it's two to nothing at the end of the first, it doesn't really matter. If we put together one good period like we did last night, we'll smoke these guys off the ice the rest of the game. They had that confidence, and I wonder if that's going to return with a slightly different roster, more travel, and playing, quite frankly, better opposition this season. Okay, I got a two-parter for you. The first one is I don't think anybody in Vegas has a better uh, finger on the pulse of the fan base of of vegas and the vegas golden knight fans so that's the first one um how how is everybody feeling what's what's the vibe and part two of that is uh, i thought vegas completely blew seattle out of the water in the expansion draft is there always going to be that connection between those two franchises yeah i'll start with that one i, th I think you're right that they definitely uh the golden knights did a lot better and i think a lot of that has to do with just how dumb the league was the first time and they realized wow we sure were dumb we shouldn't do that again. And I think the reason for that was 
they didn't really care that they were giving the, the expansion team assets because the thought was, well, they're not going to be any good for five or six years and I'll probably be fired by then. So what does it matter? <laughs> so they weren't afraid to do that. Where now the thought is if we give them all these assets, we're going to create a team that's going to stand in our way this season. Why are we doing that? It would be like, you know, Tampa trading with Carolina or you know, Vegas trading with Colorado. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to make your opponent all that much better. So in, that's why I think that happened. But I also think that Ron Francis did a horrific job in harvesting assets. I think he was really just trying to focus on his cap. And we'll see how that goes. Maybe they can fill it up. Maybe they can't. I don't know. As far as the pulse of the fan base, um, it's interesting because I think everyone who really understands the game, and, and I don't, I don't mean to belittle people, but there's a lot of fans in the Golden Knights that, that follow the Golden Knights that, that were really connected to that first season and connected to a lot of the people that were involved in that first season. That's really fallen off. And I don't necessarily think that they're going to hate the team over it, but I think they hate the way that we got here. And I think that a lot of people are, are kind of feel scorned and just it's just not the first season anymore. And it's becoming clearer and clearer and clearer that we just aren't going to have that same feeling as the first season. And we'll see how that goes. As far as the people who truly understand hockey, understand the cap, understand the direction they're headed, I think they feel like the way that Marc-Andre Fleury was treated was horrific. And I think everybody probably agrees with that. I think that the way that they decided to go about changing up the roster is such a minimal change that most people feel like, oh boy, here we go again. We're going to get on the same ride that inevitably crashes out at some point in the playoffs. I think people are still waiting for that move that makes you feel like this team can do it. And I don't know if that move's going to come. So I would say this is probably at this very moment is probably the most down the Golden Knights uh, fan base has ever felt about their team, which is unbelievable because they're runaway favorites to win the Pacific. <laughs> and let me but, quickly hold on one second, Rob, if I can follow okay. up that one real quick. Uh, I saw a tweet right after the Mark Andre news came out and it said, um, if you ever want to look for Golden Knights season tickets, today's the day to do it. Any truth yeah. to that or no? I doubt it. <laughs> I, I think there I think there probably are some people that are gonna use this as a reason to get out from underneath their tickets, but they were gonna get out from underneath them at some point anyway. I I, I would say they're never gonna have a problem selling tickets in this. <laughs> that was my thought exactly. Yeah. Just because, oh. you know, there's enough people in the city that are invested in the team themselves, and then the second that starts to wane. It'll be a, just a rush of away fans because every single team comes here at least once. So you, they're never going to have a hard time selling that stadium out. Now, now uh, talking about the Kraken versus Golden Knights, you had George McPhee for the Knights versus Ron Francis, two completely different GMs. Yeah, you have George McPhee, who's an aggressive, hold no, take no prisoners. He'll put his mom up for auction if he needs to in order to get a better deal. Whereas Francis is a lot more conservative. So I see that's the biggest difference is that McPhee knew he had everybody by the cojones and he put and he pulled and he tugged and he right. made sure that every GM felt that pain. Ron Francis is not that type of person. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? 
I, I think you're absolutely right. And, and I wonder kind of where it goes from here. Because when you really look at the trades the Golden Knights have made since that, they really have only gotten one really, really right. Now, you can say the Stevenson one, but I call, I call that more of a waiver claim than a trade. That was, okay. oh, he's going to hit waivers. Yeah, we'll throw you an asset as opposed to that being a trade. When you look at the Pacioretty's and the Lenners and the Martinez's, and while a lot of these players were good options for the Golden Knights and made the Golden Knights better, the price was always very high on them. And I think a lot of that stems back to the expansion draft, where when you look at the Mark Stone deal, Ottawa being a team that they really did not take horrible advantage of, uh, that deal kind of came through in a very cordial way. We're going to help you. You're going to help us. We're going to let you talk to the player, get the deal done. We'll make sure all this happens. You guys can take a bad contract off our hands. Everything was pretty cordial in that. If you have the cap space to make something happen, inevitably at this deadline or next offseason or the following deadline, there's going to be another blue chip player out there. And if Ron Francis has a much better relationship with other GMs around the league, maybe he can take advantage of that down the road. I just feel like they're working from such a deficit compared to where the Golden Knights were. Vegas came out of that draft with two extra first-round picks, about four extra second-round picks, couple prospects that were legitimate pushing the NHL-level prospects, and then they had their sixth overall pick. Really, all Seattle has is cap space and Matty Bernier's. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and then and then the follow up on the whole pulse of the city. How much is the is the pulse of the city tr- uh, and the trepidation that they're feeling is uh, because of Robin Leonard and they don't have anybody. If Robin Leonard goes down, there's a huge hole in that net. Yeah, I think that that Leonard's a polarizing figure, and and he will always be a polarizing figure. Um, but now that it's his net. And now that it's his opportunity to kind of step in and and be the savior in many ways, if he just plays the way he can, I think the city will start to truly embrace him. And especially if Brassois is not all that good. Like if there's an event in which you see Leonard go down for two weeks and Brassois goes two and six during those two weeks, they're really going to feel like, okay, well now we really got to get behind Leonard. And, and Leonard as polarizing as he can be, can also be a very lovable character if you decide to want to love him. Uh, you know, I understand why people do not, but th- if you decide you want to... He is a panda, after all. Yeah, I think, love you know, I think, but I think he, you know, if you decide, like, let me embrace what Robin Leonard is, he's very easy to love. I just think it's awfully difficult to embrace that when it kind of seems to be competing with Marc-Andre Fleury. And throughout, the, from basically the moment Robin Leonard got here, it has always been he's pushing Robin Le- or Marc-Andre Fleury out the door. And even though those two got along and it worked on the ice and it seemed to be somewhat symbiotic except for the sword in the back, other than that, <laughs> like they, it, it always to the fans felt like he's pushing Marc-Andre out. I can't root for him yet. Well, now that he's pushed him out and now that your team relies on his success, I think he will become a little bit more loved over the course of, of the next like six months here. Well, well, you, didn't he also play with uh, the with the Boar and when he was with the Panthers? Uh, so uh, he, who's that, Leonard? Yeah, 
No, yeah. he he was uh you know they they were they kind of crossed paths a oh, little okay. bit up uh back in his junior days, okay. but for the most part no, he he his NHL time did not pass with DeBoer. Okay, so Ken, final topic for me is uh the draft. Um we look at the at the Vegas draft and uh, unless you were a diehard, uh were there a lot of names out there that that jumped out at you as really good draft picks? Uh, not really. I thought the second one, the defenseman, was pretty decent. His name is unfortunately escaping me. Who was it? Zach Dean <laughs> is the first one. Who the kid? The... See what I mean? Uh, you're you're putting me on the spot. I have no I know. idea. <laughs> Whoever their second round yeah. pick was, uh, he seemed like a. It was a. We played in Russia. Yeah, I I know who you're talking about. He's uh, a decent player. He seemed to have a. He had a really. Uh, good, he's a Chaika. Uh, yeah, Chaika. That's right. That's exactly right. Uh, you know, he had a good run in his time uh, in, in the in the Canadian Junior Leagues, and then he had to go back due to COVID to play in Russia, and it didn't really fit. I think there's a pretty high ceiling on him. He's a big kid. He skates real well. I think that's exciting for him. And then uh, as far as Zach Dean, he's kind of your prototypical Golden Knights draft pick. You, you know, he can skate. He's a fairly bigger guy. He plays center and wing. Uh, high hockey IQ, good defensively, 200-foot player. Just throw him in the mix of the other seven of those that they have. <laughs> I don't necessarily think that's one that you know we're going to be grasping on saying that guy needs to be the future of the franchise. Um, but at the same time, like outside of the pick in the fourth round, which was the 186th European sca- skater according to <laughs> NHL Central Scouting, which that one I don't really understand – uh, but other than him, I, I I can't really nitpick on their on their draft much. And but again, they don't have a history of doing much well with the draft. It's basically just been assets, pick well, an asset you, and then move them. Let me give you two quick jokes on this one. Um, Chaika was selected right before or right after Doan, so we had a Chaika Doan yeah, situation like what go. happened That's in great. Arizona. That's great. <laughs> and, and then your fourth round picks are Jacob, J-A-K-U-B, and Jacob, J-A-K-U-B. Yeah. Any chance? Jacobs, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jacobs. But that, uh, that was funny to see that those two. That second one was the one I was talking about. Right, Demick? You know, I have a guide that I usually follow from uh, hockey. It's called the NHL Black Book from the Scouting Service. It's phenomenal and has about 500 players in there. And even beyond that, it references players that have played in games that they have scouted that aren't even on their list. This kid's name wasn't even on the list, like, at all. I'm like, how in the world did they find this kid? And then I go to Central Scouting, he's 180th in European skaters. Like, that's impossible. Like, the fifth European (laughs) skater was 100th on the list total. How is this possible? I, that just blew my mind. Watch that kid will be Gretzky. Uh, any any chance that he passed he passed through Saskatchewan or something yeah, at that point? I would, yeah, I guarantee you he's like Kelly McCrimmon's nephew or something or godson. <laughs> I have no idea. You know how hockey goes. Yeah. Was there ever a doubt that Shane Doan's son was going to Arizona? Come on. Yeah, and here's the deal on that. Let me tell you right up front. If they had, if Los Angeles or Anaheim or even Vegas had taken him at anywhere where he belonged to go, like maybe in the 107 range, had taken them just before the, the Coyotes, oh, there wouldn't have been a ticket to be sold here. Oh, they would have be... traded immediately and gotten <laughs> the deal done. The only player that I can ever think of in that situation that would not have been drafted is 
but and unfortunately, it happened one year before the Golden Knights had their had their draft. George McPhee's son got picked by Vancouver yeah. Yeah. in the 2016 draft. I guarantee you, the Golden Knights would have passed on him. <laughs> okay, uh, I guess my final topic from the final topic is I got to get your comments on the Silver Knights because we know what the AHL is, but um, man, have you ever seen so much movement in the AHL as as this year? Yeah, I mean it's it's been pretty wild. You know, it's basically every veteran on every AHL team is flying all over the place here. I have no idea what to make of what the Silver Knights are going to be. They're going to be young again. You know, they're going to be reliant on some of these new guys that have come in, and they're not horribly important players. Sven Berchi is the new superstar in Henderson. Um, you know, I think really for Henderson, it's going to be – you're probably going to have Krebs there to begin the season. Uh, Korzak's going to be a huge piece of that. There's a trio of Russian kids that I think can eventually be interesting to follow, and maybe one of them breaks through. You would hope that at some point the LeCision, Dugan, Jones, Ronebier, Elvinus group, someone can please break through to make your NHL debut from the 2017 draft. Uh, so there's a lot to look at with that team, but as far as predicting what they're going to do or what they're going to look like on the ice, I have no clue. Well, they they did the, just sign Derek Pouliot. Oh, life changing so, stuff so, there. You know, that should alter their defense tremendously. I mean, I would imagine <laughs> you're probably immediately looking at winning the Calder Cup based solely on that move alone. I would say. Um, uh, Logan Thompson must be doing backflips. That he yeah, he's got to be problem. pumped. He's got to be pumped. <laughs> he's got to be looking in the mirror thinking, how in the world? The only person that's ever been this happy about a, about a move is Mike Evans when the Buccaneers signed Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you what, Ken. I appreciate you coming on and sharing your thoughts with us as always. Um, I did shed a tear for you when I saw Danny Ogretzky, as you like to call him, went oh, to San Diego because I know – I know your your fan favorite, uh, yeah. Danny Ogreski, Danny I O'Regan. I love Danny O'Regan. They <laughs> never gave the dude a shot. They kept giving the chance to Dylan Sakara, and I like yeah. Dylan Sakara. But like, can we get Danny O'Regan one chance here? Like, give the dude a period, please. Couldn't do it, man. That was a shame. That kid's well, that, legit. That, that was definitely real tears that that came out of my eyes for you on that yeah, one. So that just know that legit. He's just tiny. <laughs> All right. Well, we're what? Just a little over a month away from getting started again. Oh, geez. Don't remind uh, me. I'm about to go on vacation. <laughs> okay. And and speaking of vacation, I saw a heck of a party last night at uh, Allegiant Stadium. Oh, that was a while. <laughs> that was that- awesome, though. I mean, let me just say something about that is like, as much as like I'm, you know, I'm an away fan in that building cheering for America, which is pathetic <laughs> for our country, one. But nonetheless, being in a building of 61,000 people watching a sporting event and having that atmosphere back is so awesome. Like, even when we got into the playoffs, I still felt like there was always this kind of muted feeling around, like, I don't know if I should be here. To be in that building, to see that event, and to have it go off without a hitch, other than the seven-mile walk you have to make to get the in and out of <laughs> Allegiant Stadium, what an absolute joke that place is in regards to logistics. But the stadium's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. The place is amazing, but the logistics are a disaster. But it was so awesome to to see that event go off the way that it did and, and just the energy uh, that it brings the city, and, and it is so awesome. Like Sports are the best 
you know, and and to know that we're probably going to be looking at eighteen thousand back in T-Mobile the first game again. It's just so great. It's it's so awesome that we're ha- we're we're finally looking like we're on the other side of this. Get this Delta variant garbage out of here. I was so thrilled to see a packed house because you guys deserve it. I mean, what Vegas has been through the last eighteen Brutal. months has been way tougher than a lot of other places yeah. in the country for sure. And and just to see Jesse Granger with that flag around him, oh, that Jim is, Craig that came goal. to mind right away. Oh, that goal, <laughs> Miles Robinson, what a hero! If there's ever going to be a statue, it should be of Miles Robinson. Mark Andre Fleury <laughs> never won a gold cup. <laughs> I love it, Ken. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, stay safe out there, and and we'll see you soon in Vegas. Okay. Take it easy. All right. Thanks, All right, folks. That was uh, Ken Bulky from Sinbin Vegas. Uh, I knew we'd get good stuff. We got it. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back to uh, wrap up another episode of Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Hi, this is Derek Stevens. Download your new sports betting app with Circus Sports. Get 24-7 access to a dynamic sports betting menu, including props, futures, cross-sport parlays, in-game wagering, and more. Sign up for the mobile wagering app at CircusSports.com. Then visit one of our downtown Las Vegas sports books at the D or the Golden Gate to activate and fund your mobile wagering account. Learn more at CircusSports.com. If you live in the Valley, you know that there is no shortage of great Mexican food. But if you want authentic taste with a fair price and relaxed atmosphere, then head to Burrito Express. From the breakfast burritos served all day to combination plates for lunch, Burrito Express delivers that homemade taste you would expect from your own kitchen. Try all of our authentic Mexican recipes at any of our six East Valley locations, from Scottsdale to Gilbert and all points in between. ASU alumni owned and operated since 1995. Go to burritoexpress.com and check out our menu or find a location to order for fast pickup or delivery. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No, stopping at Jesse Ray's barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by offensive ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. You're listening to Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. All right, we're back. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly presented by our friends at the D Las Vegas, downtown Las Vegas, a super spot right off of Fremont Street. Uh, for your gaming, your uh, relaxing around the pool, uh, your chance to get on Fremont Street and experience it, and by all means, wander on down to the Circa, which is another one of Derek Stevens' property. So Scott Strandy here in, in Scottsdale, Arizona tonight. Rob Rothfarb, my uh, co-host as always, hanging out somewhere in Southern California where I'm jealous as always. Um, <laughs> uh, Rob, you know the drill on this one by now. Uh, every time we have a guest on, 
uh, I want to get your opinion. I already know he tried to beat up your uh, Rangers. <laughs> that that was almost fighting words there for a minute. No, no, I just, you know, the one thing that I wish he would do is just, you know, be a little bit more outgoing and a little bit more opinionated. I think he was <laughs> a little bit reserved. <laughs> oh, that's why we love Ken. <laughs> no, it was a great, a great interview. Uh, I mean, we could have gone another 15, 20 minutes easily and, and still still not answered half our questions that we wanted to get done. Uh, it was a great interview. I love the energy. I love the fact that he has his uh, hand, fingers on the pulse of Vegas, and he's very knowledgeable. He knows he knows his, the players. He knows the team, and uh, he definitely p- cares. He definitely is more than a fan. Well, let me tell you just a little background on Ken. He was the guy that started the, the uh, season ticket drive before they ever became a franchise. And uh, he is uh, very close to owner Bill Foley. So when he speaks of Bill Foley, trust that uh, what he's saying is coming out of Bill's mouth because uh, they're, they're very close. So uh, he's really good at that. He spends an awful lot of time going in depth. He was talking about that black book on the drafts, <laughs> just checking right. out players. But right. the one thing that I was amazed about was you have a, a draft and you have uh, pick number 30. And, and that guy doesn't excite you at all. Uh, that kind of worries me a bit. Any Anytime, it doesn't matter what pick it is, in the first round or even up through the second round, if those guys do not excite you, what, what's going to excite you? A veteran? You know, bring in a veteran, get rid of kids like the Rangers used to always do? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I think that someone that, you know, with talent that is up and coming, that's a young kid that could make – a difference in a year or two, you would think that would be something that would excite him. Yeah. And then, and then the other thing is uh, the fact that he wouldn't rule out Jack Eichel. Like I haven't ruled out Jack Eichel, but um, let, let me say now what I heard. Um, and again, this is what I heard. This is, I guess my opinion, but this is the numbers that I heard before the Alex Tuck surgery. I heard it was going to take Alex Tuck and one other player, probably a Riley Smith, it was going to take a first-round pick, and the sticking point at that point was Peyton Krebs and probably another pick somewhere down the line. But keep in mind that the picks that you're going to get from Vegas are not that valuable to, uh, to a lot of teams because they're going to always be winning. So they're going to be in the upper 20s uh, you know, uh, range, 25 to 32 maybe. Uh, so what are you getting in that first round pick? It's really like a, a very good second round pick. Right. So I think that's the problem that they're having dealing with. And now with Alex Tuck going out, I think, I think it was Riley Smith, Alex Tuck, Peyton Krebs and a draft pick or two. And it would have gotten done. Um, now, if that were the case, how in the world do you fill those holes? Because now you're losing Riley Smith. Who's one of your best penalty killers and a really good second or third line center. And Alex Tuck, um, the, the ceiling on Alex Tuck is not even close to being reached yet. And uh, if he stays healthy, uh, he has so much room to go. And how much is his cap hit? About five mil? Yeah, I think it's about five for each of them. Just, you know, one's uh, Riley's probably a little bit more. But I think that would have been the cap hit. That those that's why those two would have had to go. So if you don't go those two, now you're talking maybe William Carlson or Jonathan Marshall. So, um, you, you got to throw one of them in there to make this deal work because you got to clear the cap space and you got to make Buffalo happy. And then, like well, you guys both said, then you got to hope that you got a really good surgeon that's going to do a really good job 
and a really good staff that's going to put Eichel back together to where he's Jack Eichel again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I had heard with the tuck injury, that might have opened the door more for Vegas because they would put him on long-term injury. They would clear his $5 million cap hit off their books. Then you include Riley Smith, Peyton Krebs, uh, a couple of number ones, and you know you clear out $10 million right there. Because that that, that helps Vegas, but that doesn't impress Buffalo. No, no, but, but that's why it hasn't been done. But that's why I, the Buffalo is not jumping at that. Uh, and I don't know where Vegas turns because Marshall Salt, I've heard him going a couple of teams. I heard Rangers potentially for Strom, uh, and and maybe Vegas then flips Strom to try to get Eichel. I, I don't know. It That Eichel situation is not going away anytime soon. No, and the longer it sits like this without him getting that surgery, the longer it's going to be before anybody who has him on their roster can use him. And after the agent put out that that letter to the whole world for the whole world to see, Buffalo lost all sorts of negotiating uh, leverage. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and I think the agent was really good to Buffalo to let them go. Like he said, they kind of played the game uh, as long as they could, and Buffalo couldn't get anything done, which doesn't surprise anybody. Um, <laughs> right. But. Right. Uh, but anyway, it, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. And, um, you know, it's interesting. And that's why everybody's going to have their eye on Vegas because they, they haven't seen anything but success. I mean, I know they're frustrated that they haven't won a Stanley Cup, but how many teams have won a Stanley Cup when you really go down and think about it? And uh, how many and how recently? So that the success of Vegas is, has got to be measured in where they're at for a five-year franchise as opposed to how many cups have you won in five years? Well, the problem is, is they had success too early, too quickly, uh, and they've stayed up up top. They haven't had the, the decline, so it's hard, it's hard not to pr- expect greatness out of them. Well, speaking of expecting greatness, <laughs> this is what what uh, I look at the at the way things are right now. Like Colorado, clearly in our coverage area, but they're in the central. Uh, Arizona, clearly in our coverage area, they're in the central. Um, and then we we pick up the Pacific, and you look at you got Seattle now, you got Edmonton, you got Calgary. Um, not exactly hop skipping a jump from the Southwest, so it, it's really a difficult thing uh, as far as the NHL part of it goes. AHL, not a lot better, but at least Colorado and Tucson are, are in the Pacific Division along with uh, what soon will be Palm Springs and, of course, everybody that you have in California and, of course, the Henderson right. Silver Knights. So that seems to make more sense. So I've got a lot of, uh, a lot of things to, to work through here in my uh, map drawing, if you will. <laughs> well, well, I have the California uh, or clubs. You have all the rest, right? Yeah, thank you. Isn't it? Isn't yeah. that what it is? Yeah. I, 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 was, I, was, one state. <laughs> I was thrilled to know, Rob, that Abbotsford is just barely over the border, so maybe I can just jump across the border and be there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I can't, uh, wait to, okay. I can't wait for next week's show to talk about the AHL schedules because Abbotsford, you know, when, the, when these teams play Abbotsford for the first time, it's a new franchise they're playing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and I do have some connections there. We had Jeff Almer on and uh, Ryan Johnson, the uh, GM of Abbotsford. We'll uh, try to get him on as well before the season starts and go from there. So 
next week. Uh, I gave you the homework assignment early, I guess, because I didn't expect we were going to get Ken tonight, which is great, because I thought that uh, Vegas stuff had to be talked about. They've been like the uh, the story of the off season so far, I think, because of what's happened. It is definitely. It's definitely. If it's not the top story, it's one B uh, on what's going on in the off season. All right, my friend. If you have nothing else, take it away. All right, the D Las Vegas Resort and Casinos Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly has been brought to you by Summer Skates. Fall, winter, doesn't matter. We still like to keep our drinks cold. Get your personalized koozies and shower shoes. Go to icetimehockeysw.com slash partners and click on the Summer Skates banner. The D Las Vegas Resort and Casino, whether it's the Long Bar or the Andy Amo Steakhouse, we are more than just great gaming action. Book your spot at dd.com. Boost Mobile where all plans include a mobile hotspot and America's largest 5G network for less. By Behind the Mask and BehindTheMask.com, where we can provide for all your hockey needs, on the ice or in line. See the website for our three Valley locations and more. Jesse Ray's Barbecue at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas, where despite how long it takes you to eat your meal, there's so many delicious choices, it always seems like it takes you longer to decide what to eat than actually eat it. By M-Drive, supplements to fuel your drive. Refine your drive with M-Drive. The D Las Vegas Resort and Casinos Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly and all of the Ice Time Hockey SW podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app. Available for download at the iTunes Store, Podbean, the Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and on the TuneIn app. Hey, Alexa, turn on my ITHSW podcast. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly presented by the D Resort and Casino is a part-time part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. All right, very well done, my friend. As we uh, say goodnight again, we want to thank our guest tonight, Ken Bulky from Sinbin.Vegas. If you need to know anything about Vegas Golden Knights hockey, that is the source, uh, Sinbin.Vegas. We appreciate Ken coming on and enlightening yes, our uh, audience a little bit. And uh, as you would say, Rob, he, he really needs to open up a little bit more and get a little bit more opinionated, but we'll work on that. Well, well, you know, maybe maybe by the next time. <laughs> okay, folks, we'll say goodnight for Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Remember, next uh, or Tuesday night, tomorrow night, is uh, College Hockey Southwest Weekly. And, of course, Wednesday night, uh, Club Hockey Southwest Weekly, as we are the quad pod of hockey podcasts. Good night, everybody. <laughs>